This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Got a lot of stuff I want to talk about today. We'll be joined by Chris Hine in just a little bit here to talk Timberwolves trade deadline and the rest of the season. Got some thoughts on the wild and a big weekend ahead in college sports. But first, what did I miss? You guys, a uh, favorite subject of mine, offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings. I talk about it a lot on this podcast, uh, either myself or with guests. Talk about it a lot on the Access Vikings podcast as well. There's a new one of those that just went live, I believe, on Thursday. Vikings have made a trade. We were all kind of sitting there, you know, waiting around on the uh, NBA trade deadline, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, wondering if uh, the Wolves were going to make a move. And then all of a sudden this Vikings trade pops up. They, they trade a sixth-round pick. Uh, 223rd overall, I believe it was a compensatory pick that they got for Mason Cole. Um, he'll be a fourth-year lineman, still on the last year of a rookie deal, so relatively inexpensive. He started a bunch of games for the Cardinals at center. Uh, 2018, I think he started all 16 games, and he started 14 more last year. He's got some versatility on the line. He also, though, does not have uh, the greatest uh, pro football focus grades and whatnot so so here's the thing the easiest thing to do is to say vikings didn't really do much more of the same right and i'm kind of in that boat you know that they need a lot of help on the offensive line this is not much help um but i think we can let's zoom out for a little bit here that this is obviously at least i hope not the the last thing they're going to do to address the offensive line there's still the you know still the draft we've seen you know mock drafts Mel Kuyper's latest mock drafts have has the Vikings moving up to number nine to to pick a you know a star offensive tackle a Sewell I think is 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 that uh, is that tackle um, so you get the draft you got we talked about this we've talked about this before with Ben Gessling they've got Kyle Rudolph's money coming available June first a, a big chunk of cap change I think it's around eight million dollars coming available but it's not till June first so opportunity to maybe make an upgrade at that point as well when you're looking at guys still out there in free agency or you know guys who have become cap casualties and cut downs at the end of training camps things of that nature so there are still opportunities for them to get more offensive linemen and they still have some cap space right now if they want to do that right now. So I guess the bigger picture is let's let's not overreact to this move. That said, they need quality. They don't necessarily need quantity, right? We've seen them bring in all these guys over the years that, you know, hey, this be, could be a solution. You got some depth here. You got versatility that like they, they need good players flat out. And, and I don't know if Mason Cole qualifies as that. I mean, he qualifies as one of the 50 best centers in all of the world. So, you know, comparatively, compared to me, he's going to be an upgrade, right? Um, but in the big picture of the NFL, is this guy going to meaningfully upgrade your offensive line, or is he just another guy who kind of becomes the default answer when you don't do more to address the position? So long story short, we're going to watch the Vikings still and see what else, see what other moves are coming to upgrade the offensive line. They clearly need help there. I don't think they need like, you know, they don't need to go out and like spend a billion dollars or, you know, use all of their draft picks because as we've talked about again, the difference between a good offensive line and a great off- great offensive line is is kind of negligible. You can get by with, you know, a an above average, you know, some an offensive line in like the 12 to 14 range in the NFL is just fine to do probably what they want to do. The problem is in a lot of years they haven't even been that good and it's ruined some promising seasons for them in the last you know seven eight years under Mike Zimmer so 
hopefully there's more to come on this. Um, and at the very least, you know, what we do know for very certain is that Rick Spielman has two great loves in this world, if, if we've been paying attention over the years. It is accumulating mediocre offensive linemen and accumulating late round draft picks. And I'm just happy at the very least for Rick Spielman that this was a net neutral in that in that uh, in that pursuit that he that he even though he had to give up one of those precious you know late round sixth round pick in this case uh, he was able at least to require a, a seemingly mediocre offensive lineman in return so it's a net neutral there so good for Rick Spielman and we'll see what else he has up his sleeve uh, over the next few months as they try to finally figure out the offensive line. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. I'd like to welcome in to Daily Delivery for the fifth time. Five Timers Club, Chris Hine covers the Ooh. Star Tribune. I'm sorry, <laughs> covers the Timberwolves <laughs> for the Star Tribune, covers the whole thing. He covers all of it. Um, yes. Covered, covered the trade deadline, NBA trade deadline on Thursday, which turned out to be uh, kind of anticlimactic. We'll get into that. We'll get into kind of where the Wolves go from there, why they maybe didn't do anything at this deadline while they were really, really active a year ago. Um, Chris, first off, welcome. Thanks for uh, Thanks for being on once again. This is this is the highlight of my week. Every time I come on here, man, having me, it's pressure. That, that's uh, that's pressure. I got I got to deliver here in the next you know oh, fifteen. Maybe 20 maybe it also tells you about how my weeks generally go. Oh, well, you know, vaccines maybe are on the way. Your week was decent. Um, you know, I think the wolves were on to something a little bit at the start of the the second half of the season. Had that that blowout mm-hmm. win over the Pelicans. Had a good mm-hmm. start to that road trip. Um, then they've lost a few games since then. then. Then the trade deadline is what I really want to focus on, though. They don't do anything. Uh, you, you you listened to the Gerson Rosas news conference. You kind of followed the the kind of back and forth of of would they make a move, would they not make the move? What what do you what's your takeaway from from the inactivity? I guess that ended up being the story of the of this deadline. So I think the biggest the biggest part of it was a. Gerson Rosas was unwilling to part with some of the Wolves' younger talent to make you know, potentially an Aaron Gordon trade or something like it happen. B, and you kind of alluded to this on Twitter in your tweet about saying that Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell are like, uh, is he going to say that getting those two guys back is like making a trade at the deadline? He didn't say that specifically. What he said was that he would like to see everybody together playing because for one reason or another, whether it be injuries or COVID, we haven't seen what Carl Anthony Towns, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and now the improving Anthony Edwards look like when all of them are available to play. Let's so, let's actually stop and play that quote from from Rosas right now, so people can hear the the full the full thing in all its splendor. You know, trade is a major vehicle of our team building, uh, but considering that we've done nine, 10 trades over the last 18, 24 months. Uh, there is a period of time where you got to see what you have and you have to evaluate it. Uh, I don't think there's any other team that's more aggressive than us in the NBA in terms of pursuing opportunities. Uh, this deadline, like every deadline, is different. Uh, we pursued all all the options that were available. Uh, and in a lot of ways, uh, 
you have to have a reason to make a trade. You don't make a trade for the sake of making a trade. Um, I, I like the group we have. Um, I, you know, we haven't seen this group together enough, uh, starting with our best two players and everybody else. Um, and that played a big part in it. Uh, we want to see what we have in order to make uh, the best educated decisions we can make. I think that was a big part is that you want to use the, the next seven, eight weeks, however long the season lasts here as a, as a key evaluation point in what this team actually needs going forward. It's hard to make moves or, or it's hard to project what this team needs when you don't get to see kind of this mix of players together. So I, I get it from that perspective. So I would expect this to be kind of that time, you know, knock on wood that everybody stays healthy and nothing else goes wrong and that they're actually able to play these games together. But it's mostly just seeing what they have. And he didn't want to give up any young talent for a potential move that may or may not work. Don't they need a power forward no matter what, though? I mean, that was the thing that, that, that was, like they he were... said that he said that he, he said that during the during the press conference that power forward was the priority. It is still a need moving forward. Um, so that hasn't changed. It's just that I think I think the I think the big thing from what I had from what I had heard was that they weren't willing to part with Jaden McDaniels. And anybody that was that was looking to make a, a deal with the Wolves potentially wanted McDaniels. You know, nobody nobody was expecting the Wolves to part with Anthony Edwards. Um, but McDaniels was very much on the table. Um, for other teams, at least, but the Wolves did not want to move on from him because I think you saw Wednesday night when he when he had the task of guarding Luka Doncic and he did a pretty decent job doing it. I think you saw, you know, in, in if you've been watching the games, if you've been able to watch the games, thanks to the the streaming <laughs> wars, um, you see that there is potential with Jaden McDaniels that they might have found something with the late first round pick here, and they're not willing to part with that just yet. And, you know, again, a few more months and maybe you revisit some of these some of these moves or potential talks in the offseason. But as it stood right now, they just it just didn't make sense for them to, to make a move. Yeah, and I get that. I get that you want to see what you have. I get that McDaniels has been better than you would have thought, faster than you would have thought. And that, you know, I think Malik Beasley was probably the most, you know, when you looked at it as a trade piece as, as, that some other team might want you know, as a salary match as someone who's on a, someone, someone who's on a contract that is going to look pretty reasonable, I think for the next few years that he could be someone who could be the centerpiece of a John Collins trade, who could be the centerpiece of an Aaron Gordon trade. Um, But, you know, maybe the, the overriding sentiment was either that they want to see how he fits into what they have or that other teams didn't think that Beasley plus whatever else they were willing to give up was, enough for, you know, some of those other bigger, uh, you know, bigger gets that they could have got. So it, it makes sense. I think the, the other uh, flip side of this is I got the sense, you know, in, in just, you know, talking to people, talking to Bobby Marks a few weeks ago that he wasn't anticipating, he was not anticipating that they would make a big move, but he thought they might make one or two smaller moves to kind of prune the edges of their roster. And I, I, I feel like they would have liked to do that. And the fact that they weren't able to do that, not able to move like a Jarrett Culver or a Josh Akogi, like the, the glut of, you know, one dimensional wings that they seem to have, none of that got cleared out. And that's not to say that they can't keep looking at what they have in those guys under Chris Finch and, and you know, do something in the off season. But what, what, what about that piece to you that they didn't even make a small move to, to kind of, you know, 
try to bring in something different or, you know, gain some flexibility in that way. Yeah, I think that was probably the more surprising thing for me was that there was just no moves at all. Not that there wasn't a major move, but that there that there wasn't a move around the edges of the roster, like you said. Um, so I, I guess it speaks to kind of what Roses was saying that he, after all these moves that they've made in the last year, that he wanted some kind of stability and continuity for everybody. And so I, I, I as of now, I'm not aware of kind of what was potentially out there in terms of, a you know, Jared Culver deal or, or, or what have you um, or what the interest level was in some teams, even acquiring these kind of players. Um, I, you know, I would assume that if you were like, if you were going to deal somebody like Culver, it would be like, let's trade our guy who's maybe could use a change of scenery for somebody else's guy who could use a change of scenery. Right. But, you know, it's not really a, an upgrade or a downgrade kind of, kind of move to make. So I guess they just decided to stand pat in, in terms of any of those kind of moves because there wasn't much value and you might be giving something away that could end up working long-term as you, as you try to get some more continuity here. So Beasley's back when he's back this weekend, right? Saturday, Saturday. Saturday. So he's, he's back, back Saturday. Saturday. He's got one more game. He's sitting out. Is that right? Yeah. He'll be out uh, Friday's game and then he'll be eligible to come back Saturday. And, and we're thinking D'Lo might start working out with the team soon or practicing with the team. Is that what we know? Uh, either either this weekend or early next week, he'll resume team activities. Which would probably mean he's probably earlier in the week. Maybe probably like 10, about a week. Yeah. Week to 10 days out maybe 10 days, for, for I think him. Fair. So yeah. you're, you're talking about what they're, what, 10 and 33 right now? Is that what, is that what they are? 10 and 34, 10 and 34. So I don't, I don't mean to shortchange them a loss. Um, so we don't <laughs> yes. want to do that, but uh, so what uh, 44 games, that means 32 left. So yeah, by the time he came, no oh wait, 44, 30, 28, 28, left. 28 left. Yeah. So basically by the time he came back, you'd be talking about, you know, somewhere in the low to mid 20 games left in the season. Um, and we talked about this coming out of the break, but it seems even more salient now that they have to learn something in, in those games. If they have, everybody they want, or at least the, you know, the core pieces, healthy, you know, Towns, Edwards, Beasley, and Russell. If they got all four of those guys for the last 20 to 25 games, you'd like to see some sort of progress, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And that's, again, goes back to why we saw them not make a move today. And I think another, another thing that Rose has touched on in his press conference was, you know, just because a move wasn't made now doesn't mean it can't be made down the road that, you know, potential seeds were planted, ideas floated that, you know, they could maybe revisit uh, at the, you know, in the off season, you know, John Collins obviously was heavily rumored, but John Collins will be entering restricted free agency uh, in the summer and anything can, can happen there. Um, So, you know, you, you never do know to, to me, the, the Gordon thing, I always struggled seeing Gordon coming here. And I don't know how you felt about this, but the yeah, fact... I felt the same way. I felt the same way, but I never thought he was the right yeah. target. Uh, the, yeah, the fact that he was an unrestricted free agent, or will be an unrestricted free agent after next season, always struck me as a little odd, because you, you'd be making a move, giving up significant assets for somebody who you might just have for a little more than a year. Because um, there's significant risk that he that he doesn't like it here, and then yeah. he walks when he's a free agent. Um, so that one, that one never made a hundred percent sense. If the wolves had to give up a lot to get him, if you didn't have to give up a lot, um, then maybe you do it, but you saw what, what Denver gave up, which was, uh, Gary Harris. Um, I think it was RJ McDaniel in a, in a first round pick. That's, 
that's a decent that's a decent haul that's a decent haul yeah i agree i thought they gave up you know what so that was basically their 2020 first round pick a future pick i think it's 2025 and then you know gary harris who's been kind of up and down has had some injury problems but is still a, a pretty good player for a guy who you know no guarantee that he'll be here beyond a season from now but it makes it more sense for a team like denver that right. you know, it was, is, it was a is little more competitive, a little yeah. more competitive, kind of want someone that could help them win this year and next year. I don't know if that puts them over the top, like over the Lakers or anybody else like that. But I, think but it, it, I think it helps them in the short term. For it sure. So it always, it always made sense yeah. that Gordon was maybe more going to go to a contender and not the wolves based on he's not quite a rental since he's got another year left, but he's, he's more in that mold and that Collins, I'm glad you brought him up because he's obviously been my my object of affection uh, trade wise, just mm-hmm. because I like the way he plays and because the fit seemed right because of the the position he plays, the style he plays, and the re- that restricted free agency. So I imagine that they could, you know, is that the kind of thing where you know, like you said, the off season he would be a restricted free agent? Is that someone that they would maybe revisit in kind of a sign and trade situation where you could then? You know, let's say by the summer they know they know what their draft pick situation is because they'll have done the lottery by then. They'll right. know if they have their 2021 or 2022 pick, which one it is that they could trade one of the other ones basically in that deal. Or you know, it, Malik Beasley becomes back in play, something like that. They get a they get a longer look at at Jaden McDaniels, things like that. That that seeds have been planted in that regard. Yeah, I think that's 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 accurate. I mean, the only the only drawback is now Atlanta has that control over him, um, and you know can match any offer the Wolves may make. But like you said, you know the potential for a sign and trade exists um, depending on how that situation plays out. So you know that's I think that's still you know something that's maybe worth monitoring as the off season approaches. But um, but yeah, I, I was surprised you know a few weeks ago when those rumors were, were circulating that Atlanta was so seemingly willingly ready to move on from him. And, and I think they came to their senses a little bit, <laughs> a little bit well, in, the last, in the last few weeks and said, Hey, maybe we should try to hang on to this guy and try to resign him. Well, and don't forget too, when those rumors were the hottest, they were, they were in, they were going in a bad way. And then they, you know, fired their coach, their schedule got easier. They won like eight or nine in a row and suddenly yeah. they're in the, they're yeah. in the playoff mix and it makes sense to at least keep Collins through this season. Um, and maybe beyond we'll, we'll see what they want to do. It does seem, does still seem like they have a glut of bigs there with, with Clint Capella being there with, you know, Gallinari being there and, and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. It seems like they've kind of, and, you know, Hunter can maybe play a, a little bit of a, of a little bit of that as well. Um, so yeah, that, that remains a, a you know, kind of like, like we talked about when they, when they got D'Angelo Russell, you know, they went after him hard in free agency, didn't get him then, but the interest remained and they were able to, to execute that trade um, and eventually get him. Now, again, that trade came at a cost because as we've talked about that draft pick is looming over them. And, you know, how do you think they're looking at this right now? Because the more they win, the less likely they are to keep their pick, but those odds are still not great. Um, I mean, they, I, you know, perfect world. It seems like they play well enough to feel like they've got some progress, but they're still able to somehow, you know, squeeze out that 40% and -hmm. keep that pick. But that's, you know, it's more likely than not, no matter what, that they end up giving that pick. So how do you, how do you feel like they are approaching, you know, win at all costs over the last, you know, 28 games of this season to, to, to see how this, to see how this goes. I think, I think 
they're not going to try to tank in any, like, I just, I just don't see why, what the purpose is. And I think just for the organizational uh, stability and you need to put some wins on the board. Like, I, I don't know how much longer you can go on losing. You go into the off season. If you don't have, if you don't have a, the start of an upward trajectory, it could be a mis- another miserable off season. Try to win as many games as you can because, and let's face it, if you finish in the in the bottom three group, which is likely, um, you know, I was kind of looking at the, the records the other day. Um, your odds don't change whether you're the the worst team right. or the third worst team. That's something for people to keep in mind. That you could be the third worst team, still have the same odds of landing in the top three as the as the first pick. Um, it might be slightly different, but not much. I think it's pretty pretty much the same. It might be like percentage points, but it's it's not yeah, much. Yeah, but but even then, like. You know, if you finish fourth or fifth, like it doesn't go down a ton. I think winning games and and trying to get some sense of positivity going in the organization, some sense of direction, trumps a couple percentage points of a draft pick. That's that's just my my take. Yeah, it seems like that's the boat they're into. Like, I don't think they would have switched courses with their head coach if they didn't want to lay some foundation and try to win some games now. Uh, you know, obviously they're disappointed with, you know, their record right now and, and the way things have, have gone and would like to, would like to change that. Um, you know, final thought when, when uh, Beasley and Russell come back, you know, Beasley certainly sooner than sooner than later. And that's more assured since that's not an injury we're talking about. That's a, that's you know, a finite amount of time, a suspension uh, returning right. from that. Well, how do you see the playing time, you know, changing? I, you know, you're a 10 and 34 team, so it's not like you, you're worrying about hurting too many egos or having too many good players. But who, you know, when, when those guys are back on the court, uh, does Rubio go back to the bench? Do you do you put you know you put Beasley into a, a sixth man role? How do you or do you do you put the the four the big four on the court together and see what you got? How do, how do you think you divide that up? Yeah, that's and Rose has kind of addressed this about how the, the Rubio Russell pairing wasn't really working early in the season, and so I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how if they decide to keep the two ball handlers on the floor, um, do they? You know, does Rubio go back to the bench? You know, he he has said that he prefers to start. He he'll do so. He'll go to the bench if if needed or if he thinks it's the best thing to win, but. You know, they weren't exactly winning when he was on the bench before. So it's going to be fascinating. I think I think he ends up being the odd man out because I just uh, – or maybe, you know, maybe their Knights Edwards is, is odd man out because rookie mistakes, you know, maybe he's shot, – his shot selection's poor enough um, and that Finch decides to pull him like he did late in the game the other night. But, yeah, I, I see Beasley, Russell, Towns, Edwards – again that leaves it leaves kind of a hole in terms of like who's going to play the well actually no it doesn't leave the hole in terms of who plays the four only only if you have rubio does it leave that hole but it's it's going to be fascinating to see how they divvy up the minutes i don't know that's that's why i'm not the coach mike and i don't make millions of dollars so no no we don't but it it is it's interesting And, and again it's not because they have this abundance of great players but injuries and you know, absences have created opportunities that people have taken advantage of in, in, you know, in fits and spurts. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, kind of who sticks in the rotation, who winds up on the bench and, you know, how much they want to see those four players together versus how they want to see, you know, kind of 
different mm-hmm. roles and how that plays out. So bottom line is they didn't do anything to, to shake up the roster at the deadline. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll see how this team kind of responds from there. And maybe, you know, maybe some of the, the poor play in the last couple of games is, you know, something you wrote about the other day that they're, you know, you kind of get some young guys that are a little nervous about what might happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe now that that fog has lifted a little bit, you can, you can focus in on, on just playing for the last 20 odd games of the year here. Yep. Sounds good, Chris. Well, I'll get you that, uh, that five timers jacket any day now. Yes. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks Mike. I always enjoy talking to Chris Hine. Obviously I've had him on five times now. Um, five timers club going to get him that jacket too. I really think the John Collins thing is one to watch as we go forward. It feels very similar to the D'Angelo Russell pursuit where they, they've identified someone they really want. They've been talking to Atlanta for a while now. It sounds like about, you know, going back to even like pre-draft conversations about acquiring John Collins. So let's keep an eye on this. Even if it didn't happen right now, maybe it didn't make all the sense in the world right now. It might make a lot of sense this summer in a tr- sign and trade scenario or something like that where they're able to add John Collins, a player they seem to covet. So we'll see if they're able to pull that off at a certain point here. Alexi, change change this face. Be happy. Enjoy. Okay, change this face applies today to the Minnesota Wild and more 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 or less the fans. And you know, I, this is only a small sense I'm getting right now. It, it's just it it's not the worst thing in the world. And I think they should be. I think we should hold teams to a certain standard of play that it's not just about results all the time, but. I do feel like we're getting in this territory, and this happens when teams get achieve a certain level of success, right? We 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 start to want more, and so the Wild has we've certainly recalibrated our expectations with the Wild this year, right? We started out didn't really know what to expect from this team. Um, you know, are they a year away? Are they two years away? Well, they turned out to be pretty good this year, playing in this condensed schedule. I think you know there's been some surprises. I think you know Kaprizov has been even better than we could have imagined. Um, I think they've gotten some depth that, that maybe didn't exist before, and certainly the goaltending uh, has been better than it was in past years, really solidified with both Cam Talbot coming over in free agency and Capo Kakinen taking a big step forward. They win again 2 nothing on Thursday, but they get outshot like 37-11 to against St. Louis. Um, and, you know, Post game, they they acknowledge they didn't play great, right? That that's not an aesthetically pleasing win. That's not a sustainable model for you know winning a lot of games. Getting outshot by more than a three to one margin. It was very it was a very Jacques Lemaire era game, and that's not again that proved to not be a very sustainable model. But but why the change of the face is this? They're winning. You got to enjoy the success, even if it comes in a certain type of package. And you still had a, a beautiful Kaprizov goal in that game, and you still had you know Cam Talbot reasserting himself as, if not number one, at least one A between the net and giving you know Dean Evison something to think about when he makes a goalie choice every single night. So I don't want to get bogged down at this point in the the micro of every game or how did they win? Was it pleasing enough to the eye? Did they do enough? Uh, you know, just let's just enjoy a few wins here for a team that at the start of the year, we wouldn't have projected them to win this many games in the first place. So, you know, the winning will take care of itself. I'm sure they'll play better and, and look better in certain games and maybe lose some of those games too. So it all kind of evens out. Change the face, okay? Just just enjoy it. Let's end with the cooler. So much to watch this weekend. Um, that's, that's my message to you Saturday. I hope you were fully prepared to put in some couch time on Saturday because you got not only 
NCAA men's basketball uh, Sweet 16 games, NCAA women's basketball Sweet 16 games, and Gophers men's hockey, in addition to other in-state college hockey teams playing in the NCAA tournament first round. Gophers play Omaha late Saturday. If they advance and win that game, it would be Sunday for a chance to go to the Frozen Four against either Minnesota State or Quinnipiac. So, it's a great time of year, you guys. We got to take advantage of it. We got to watch uh, watch these sports. You know, you did these these moments don't always come. You know, last year we were sitting on our couches and nothing was happening. Nothing was happening at all. There was no sports at all. So don't forget that. Let's enjoy this weekend. Get get some good uh, get some good sports watching in, and um, you know, we'll see see what the outcome is by Monday. But uh, it, it should be very good and fun viewing at the very least. That'll do it for me this week on Daily Delivery. Thanks for listening today, Friday. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your finer podcast. Write a review; it, it really helps. Um, leave a leave a rating as long as it's a good one, and uh, you know, subscribe always to Star Tribune and StarTribune.com because that helps us as well. We'll be back at this again on Monday for Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mm-hmm.